Jackson on the drive, kicks it out for Mann. Mann, three-pointer, bang! Oh, what a man! Magic down the middle, just what I thought, a hook shot at 12, good! Here's Michael at the foul line, a shot on Elo, good! The Bulls win! They win! Now that's a steal by Murr, underneath the DJ, right there! Going up over Bell, Paul away! What's going on, guys? Welcome to another post game live here on Dime Dropper. Before we get started, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube at Dime Dropper. Hit the notification bell so you know every single time I go live. And of course, to follow me on social media Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Dime Dropper Pod for tonight's game or tonight's live. One game, of course, the Eastern Conference Finals, game number two. What a game we had, and oh no, I feel like the Boston Celtics just threw their season away tonight with a huge loss to the Miami Heat, 111-105 to at the TD Garden in Boston, and now the Celtics find themselves down 2-0 heading back to Miami for two games. Right now, the New York Knicks aren't feeling that bad about themselves with the way this went. Splitting those first two games, but my goodness. Obviously, Boston was my pick to win the championship, and right now, it is looking bleak, to say the least. But by the way, if you are watching this video on Twitter, I am going to delete this video on the Twitter feed, because I'm trying to get everybody in my YouTube, you dig? This is where I get my money. So, I'm deleting the tweet. If you want to actually keep listening to this video, don't be lazy. Click the link right under the tweet that you're watching. Ready? Because I'm shutting it down. But for YouTube, you're already in the right place. You already know what it is. Let's get right to it. Okay. So the Boston Celtics and the Miami Heat tonight. A couple things I talked about in the game was, or going into the last game, was that I wanted to see the Celtics stop switching Time Lord, Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White, and who's the other guard I'm forgetting? Malcolm Brogdon, Derek White. You know, Pritchard didn't play. So... Not switch those two and the Time Lord on a Jimmy. I also wanted to see Tatum guard him more. I also wanted to see Grant Williams instead of Pritchard. The only adjustment that was made was Grant Williams in for Pritchard. Everything else was exactly the same. They still conceded the same switches. They still... What what was the other thing I said? Yeah, they still conceded the same switches. And... It was just, the Celtics, you know, they played, again, this is multiple years. doesn't even matter the coach. And Joe Mazzula, don't worry, I'm going to get into him because he did not have a great game. But at some point, you got to look at the players, right? Every single coach they've had, it's the same thing. It's a lot of ball pounding. It's a lot of just taking turns playing isolation. You honestly have to start asking the question, if this two-wing thing where your best players, your two best players are 25 plus point a game wings and that they're average to decent playmakers and passers is going to work to win a championship. With Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, it's the same thing. It's very take turnsy. It's not very fluid. And with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen and Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, those are two wings as well. that you can argue best talent is scoring offensively. But LeBron and Scottie Pippen, they're both like point forward kind of guys. So it balanced out. This 
this two wing thing where they both are 25 plus point a game scorers. It's really I said it my I said it myself. I said as of last year, I said I think it can work, even though it feels clunky. But what they gotta do is they gotta execute in isolation. One-on-one. They got to make plays one-on-one. That's their style of play. They got to be smart about how they attack. They got to create good shots. Now, in this game, the Celtics, you know, when you're in these desperation games, when you are down one nothing, having lost the first game at home, you need to come out and stomp your foot on the opponent's throat and let them know they got no chance. They got no chance. We're coming out desperate. And we've seen a couple of teams do that in the playoffs this year. For example, um, New York in game two against the no nah, I'm sorry it was Cleveland against New York in game two because New York's game two against Miami was a close one uh Celtics did it against Philadelphia in the last series but in this one they didn't start that sharp they were down by as many as eight points in the first quarter and the only guy that seemed to get off to a good start for the Celtics was Tatum who had 12 of the Celtics 25 points in the first but overall their their defense, their hustle, it was second best to Miami. And look, we know one thing about Miami. They are going to be the better coach team. They're the smarter team, and their collective basketball IQ is seeming to make a huge difference. It's looking like a huge difference, I should say, so far in this series. They play like a team. I was talking about it with Allball and Fabian. They play like a team that has already won a championship. It's, it's kind of amazing. The Celtics did end up leading 25-24 after one because of Jason Tatum mainly. And by the way, Al Horford, he cannot seem to get his shot to fall, and that's really hurting the Celtics' offense as well. And Jalen Brown was not off to a great start. Now, the only adjustment that Joe Mazzula made that I asked for was that we saw Grant Williams playing instead of Peyton Pritchard. And it really worked great in the first half. He was making threes. He was playing good defense. They had more size out there. And as I said, the Celtics didn't make any adjustments defensively really to me. They kept switching guys like the Time Lord guards on the Butler, and they were getting pretty good looks. Other guys in the Heat were getting pretty good looks. Guys like Duncan Robinson, Gabe Vincent were playing pretty well. Kyle Lowry finally had a game where he wasn't like lights out. Um, He was 0 for 5 tonight, 0 points. But guys like Gabe Vincent, who didn't shoot well but made big shots, were solid. Duncan Robinson and Caleb Martin, though, those were the big two guys off the bench for Miami. Caleb Martin, it feels like this guy is just not having any bad games. Like, he's coming in, he's hustling, he's playing Ds, adding athleticism, he's crashing the offensive glass, he's knocking down his open shots, he's attacking uh, closeouts, he's attacking on the fast break. He had three offensive rebounds again tonight. Just amazing. And again, it just feels like Boston playing with complacency, just taking turns isoing, a lot of ball pounding, not moving the ball side to side, not making the Heat's defense guard on both sides of half court. It's slow. With Miami... They're not like a Sacramento, Denver, or Golden State kind of motion offense, but they have a lot of great off-ball actions. There's a lot of cutting. They play guys that embrace movement, and it starts with their best player, who in these last two seasons, I've noticed, so good off the ball. He's setting screens. He's cutting to the basket. He's posting up. Look where Jimmy Butler catches the ball a lot of the time. He's catching the ball at the elbow, on the wing, 18 feet away, inside the arc. You can't say the same about the Jays. And that's a, you know, Jimmy Butler makes his life easy. Everyone's like, why does it look so easy for him? He's not the quickest. He's not the best shooter, but he gets to his spots every time. Part of it's where he catches the ball. He doesn't have the best first step. He catches the ball, quick rip through, has great footwork and great patience. The thing is, part of what makes Jimmy Butler so tough is he's so patient with his shot fakes. As a defender, you want to be disciplined and stay down. 
but then he still can, you know, jump up and get a decent look elevating over the top. And that's what he's got everybody guessing right now. And I mean, and the funny part is he favors his right hand so much too. And he's still super hard to guard. But Miami did a great job closing that second quarter and they started to go to a zone, which started fucking with the Celtics a bit. And it became foreshadowing with what would be the, a big problem in the game for Boston. But Jason Tatum, Malcolm Brogdon, I thought they were doing pretty well. Other than that, though, not too much for the Celtics. Now at halftime, they led by a score of... Actually, they didn't lead. The Heat were up 54-50. to So there you go. You're already down at halftime. You should be up double digits in a game two when you've lost the first game. And that's when I started to think to myself right around halftime, maybe Miami's better than these guys. And even after tonight, I think the Heat are going to win. But I didn't get – I always say there's a moment in the series where you just know a team's better. I still didn't get that moment tonight. It's usually closer to when the series ends. But the Heat damn sure feel better these first two games. And mainly, it's the coaching, the defensive IQ. I'm sorry, not the defensive IQ. Just the overall basketball IQ. They play off the pass, not off the bounce. Shout out to my man Ricky G. He said that very articulately, even though he's not a more, not the most articulate tweeter. But he said that and it's facts. You know, like for example, let me give you an example of a great action they run. Bam Adebayo with the, the top of the key. And Bam, he was throwing some great dimes to backdoor cutters tonight. But there'll be Duncan Robinson, like he's going to come off a dribble handoff. And then, you know, the defender's so worried about that, you know, Robinson coming off that screen. Instead, he'll go backdoor and fake it. And Bam will throw him that bounce pass. And he, a couple of times, Duncan Robinson in the first half got a couple of easy baskets on those backdoor cuts. Now, in the third quarter... Jason Tatum started getting hot, started taking matters into his own hands, working in the pick and roll. You know Miami's going to switch a lot, and it didn't matter who they put on him. He was hitting that tween-tween, behind the back, sidestep, three-ball splash. He looked like he was not going down without a fight. But then again, Boston still had some turnovers, and they didn't put the heat away. That's a huge thing. We saw it last night with the Lakers. They let Denver hang around. Same thing with Boston tonight. They just let them hang around. And you cannot let Miami hang around because they've got the Terminator. Or as Fabian said in a previous live, the boogeyman. You, you cannot fuck with Jimmy right now. It's, it's crazy. You are not out of the woods until you go up by 20 with this guy. But Tatum, he was trying to do his part. Now, Jimmy was still able to get to the rim a little bit. Caleb Martin was still good. They were still knocking down some open shots. But the Celtics overall won the third quarter 33-21. to So to outscore the Heat by 12, their defense stepped up. And they went into the fourth up by 8. But 8 points still seemed a little bit too close for comfort if you're Boston, and I was saying going into the fourth quarter, the Miami Heat are doing exactly what they need to do, and that's stick around. When you're the road team in a game two and you've already won the first home game, obviously the pressure's on the home team. So all you want to do at the very least if you can't win the game is make life tough. Make the opposing team sweat. And that's exactly what they were doing. And they were within striking distance. Now, I need to check this because it felt like Jason Tatum in a must-win game sat on the bench for too long. So let me take a look at this right now with the box score so Jason Tatum missed a three at the end of the third at the buzzer they were up by eight going into the fourth 83 to 75 now Jalen Brown came in for Marcus Smart to begin the fourth quarter I believe Jalen Brown played the entire fourth quarter but Jason Tatum let's see where he went out of the game so the Celtics went up by 10 89 79 with actually 89 77 
with 10.35 to go in the game. So in that zone, you start to see the Heat go back to that 2-3 zone. Finally, unlike in the last game, the Celtics were putting a guy in the middle of the floor at the foul line. And the Time Lord was that guy on a couple of occasions. Al Horford, I'm dumbfounded with the fact that this is a guy who was hitting mid-ranges and 18-footers in Atlanta for many, many years before the three-point line was, you know, just spammed like fucking crazy. Al Horford, he wasn't even looking at the mid-range when he caught the ball at that high post. Time Lord, he's not a shooter at all, but he was going into Bam Adebayo's chest and even had an and one, had a floater. But again, when you're not taking that mid-range shot in the high post when it's there, and shout out to Rockstar Mel, he said it in one of the chats I was in that no one's looking at the mid-range. Dudes are going right into the chest of the big man in the zone. It's basically like you're playing one-on-one with them, with a rim protector. And Bam Adebayo is as good as it gets in terms of defending in today's game. But Jason Tatum, let's see where he came out of the game. I still don't see it. So Al Horford came in for the Time Lord with the Celtics up by 6, 93-87 with 7.41 left. Wait, where's I'm missing the Jason Tatum substitution right now. Forgive me, guys. What the fuck? Okay, hold on one second. I'm going to have to pause the, the recording. All right, I got it. Jason Tatum came out at the 847 mark of the fourth quarter. Derek White came in for him. And the Celtics were up by 7, 91 to 84. By the time Jason Tatum came back in the game, at the 622 mark. So he basically only sat out two minutes. A little over two minutes. Damn, it was still a seven-point game. So it wasn't even that stretch that was bad. So honestly, I was gonna I was gonna go out Missoula for that. But okay, it wasn't even that bad of a stretch. They were still up by seven points. And then everything changed when Grant Williams made a three. 96 to 87 to put the Celtics up nine. But then he made a grave mistake. A mistake that could put the Celtics out of their misery. And that was that he poked the bear. He poked the grizzly bear. Jimmy G. Buckets. The G stands for gets. As the great Stacey King used to say. What the Chicago Bulls comment, uh, color commentary. Immediately when that happened. He said alright. Alright Grant Williams talking shit. Took him right inside, two feet in the paint, pump fake, got a, a body contact on the second, uh, he pump faked, went up on the second shot, or on this, you know, went up the second time, got hit on the arm, and won. Got right in his face. You got, you know, for someone like me, uber competitive, it's gone into my fair share of scuffles on a basketball court, believe it or not. I love that shit, man. Bring back rivalries. Bring back rivals. Let and shout out to the refs tonight. Zach Zarba and whoever else was officiating. Let no technical. Let men be fucking men. Stop this pussy shit. For real. Stop this pussy shit, man. This is competitive sports. Basketball is a competitive game. We need to stop this, you know, this participation trophy. Everybody kiss each other after the game. Let's take a picture with each other's jerseys and share it on Instagram for everybody to see. That's a soccer thing after huge games and tournaments. That's not just an everyday occurrence that all of a sudden these guys are doing. Give me a fucking break. Oh, I just got my ass kicked, but let's go, you know, hang out together after. I'm, I'm just kidding. That part, uh, people have done that in the past. But I don't like it when it translates to on the court. You know, obviously I get it. The culture is different. You know, everybody comes out in AAU and knows each other and all this. And social media, advertisements, the Nike camps, all of that shit. 
It's it you know it, it gets these players to know each other even before they in the league. But that being said, come on, man. Let as as officials and as a league, we have to let players dislike each other. It's great. And Jimmy Butler, you remember with T.J. Warren? Uh, it seems like he's he's old school. I've been saying his game is old school. He doesn't shoot threes. Let's see how many fucking threes he shot tonight and made for all you three point lovers. Oh for one. But you need to be a three point shooter to be a dominant wing in the game today. Suck my dick, dude. You guys don't know what you're talking about. You don't see what's in front of your fucking eyes. You don't you don't understand that people don't need to be glued to the three point line. That's what you guys don't get. You guys think someone needs to be glued to the three ball. Why don't you catch the ball inside the three ball and then play from, from inside the arc like everybody else? Give me a break. Give me a break, man. Y'all you gotta stop with that. I've seen Kawhi Leonard. Dog teams with just mid-range. Dog. Nobody's preventing you from catching the ball out there. Now, off the ball, that's a little bit of a different question. I think if you're a wing or a guard, you need to be able to shoot a catch-and-shoot three in any era that you play in. I mean, I just, you got to. You got to. But you can still spot up 18 feet away, or as Jimmy, he sometimes spots up in that dunker. But anyway, let's talk about the fourth quarter, right? That zone was, they went into that zone the entire fourth. Duncan Robinson made a couple of big shots coming off screens. And granted, when Duncan's on the court, you need to be communicating. There was one time where Grant Williams and Jalen Brown had a miscommunication. And I think it was Caleb Martin. He got a wide open backdoor layup. And it's just those kind of miscommunications that you cannot have in these kind of stages in a must-win game. You know, when when Missoula talked after the game about discipline. That's discipline. That's not the coach's fault that you're not talking through screens and you don't know what you're doing. That's not his fault. But... The guy, so listen to this. This is where I blame Missoula, though. And it, honestly, it's on the players, too, though. I'm tired of just the excuses for coaches. Yeah, it looks bad because he's coaching against Spo. That's why it really looks bad. But here's my issue, right? I'm a youth sports coach, right? Tomorrow, my rec team is going to play against zone. My, my 11 and 12-year-olds are going to play against a zone. My big that I have in the middle of the zone in the high post he can actually shoot a mid-range. Do you know why I put him there in, in the high post and like a guy that can shoot the mid-range? To keep the defense honest. If you just sit there in the paint, because remember, in college rules in FIBA, you have no defensive three-second violation. In the NBA, you have to, you know, you one foot in, you put your one foot out, you can't play a real zone, but they scream it all about, all that bullshit. But you know what? You put one foot in and one foot out, so it's not even like a legit camp out in the paint shit. But here's the thing. Bam Adebayo can sit there because none of these guys want to look at the rim in the mid-range. They're giving it. They want to just charge into the defense and go into the chest. Nah, if I'm the coach, here's what I do. Jalen Brown, you're playing like shit. Get your ass at the foul line because when you get the ball, they have to respect you and then you can swing and kick. But instead, they were trying to do like high screen and roll with Time Lord setting the screen and then Jason Tatum was trying to weave his way through the defenders or around the defenders. It, was, it wasn't easy. But Stan Van Gundy, I want to make a comment about Van Gundy. Stan Van Gundy, no wonder his offense was so fucking clunky in New Orleans. Because all he does is talk about pick and roll, pick and roll. That's all he talks about. He doesn't seem to like movement. No wonder his ass is out of a job. See, the Warriors fans that wanted Steph Curry pick and roll, pick and roll, pick and roll over and over again, they found out why Steve Curry doesn't do that. You saw how it wore on Curry's legs. He didn't have a good series in the end. The Warriors had nothing. He was too gassed. And they were putting him in the action defensively with LeBron. So that, when you have movement with talent will always be ISO, ISO with talent. Always, always. The ball moves faster in the air than on the ground. 
Move the ball, kids. Make the extra pass. I preach this all the time. Teams with ball movement will always fucking smoke talented teams that are stagnant. A la 2014 Heat against San Antonio, getting their asses wiped off the floor. And same with Golden State at times, even though Kevin Durant was a trump card, so like we can disregard that. But they had no chance playing playing LeBron, Kyrie, take turns and pick and roll ball against them. No chance. But anyway, let's talk about this. This zone. So as I said, I would put Jalen Brown in that high post so that you have enough shooters. You had Brogdon out there in white, and that's another problem, that Jimmy can just still pick and choose who he wants on the switch and get them, and he gets to his right. No double team. After all the things he's done, and they didn't even have a good three-point shooting night tonight. Kevin Love was 0 for 3, and he didn't take any threes, which is very rare. Gabe Vincent, 1 for 4 from 3. Max Struess and D- Duncan Robinson and Caleb Martin actually shot well from three. They had eight out of the nine threes. The only other three was made by Gabe Vincent. Um, and I think that was in the first half. Max Struess, Duncan Robinson, and Caleb Martin all hit their threes. But you got to make someone else beat you. And the funny part is Jimmy wasn't even shooting that well. But in the fourth quarter when Grant poked the bear, he went at him like three times in a row. And I don't I don't know about in a row, but he, he went at him at least three times in that fourth quarter going to his right and scored. And the one thing about Grant is he's a good defender and he's strong, but laterally he's still getting the corner turned on him. So when Jimmy's getting the ball turned in the corner, yes, Grant is staying strong and, and getting back into the picture where he's getting him to stop his dribble. But by the time Jimmy's stopping his dribble, he's already in the middle of the paint or at the elbow. And that, that shot he hit to give them the heat, the 102-100 lead in the corner was so big time. And mind you, this is when the Heat, the Celtics were up nine with six minutes and 30 seconds left. Now, the high pick and roll in the zone was working okay, but overall, I'm still a bigger proponent of move the ball in the zone. Get somebody in the high post that can be relied on to hit the mid range and make reads and have the spread floor, one guy in the dunker. That's what I would have. And then the Time Lord as a vertical threat. Like, you see, I shouldn't be able to say this. I shouldn't be, I have to say, like, I'm a kid. You know what I'm saying? I'm a youth sports coach. I think the highest level I could coach is, like, middle school or AAU. Come on, man. A, a, a professional coach can't lack that much common sense. But, hey, it is what it is. Late turnovers and missing threes. Marcus Smart, man, he had a great look at a three late in the game. And then it, the ball slipped out of his hands. You did not get enough from Smart in this game. And he's actually, I mean, he was fantastic in game six. He was good in game seven. And I even thought... He, let me check his game log real quick. I thought he was not even that bad in game one either. Yeah, he was good. He had 13 and 11. That was his great playmaking game in the first half where he was getting all those assists. But this game just didn't do enough. But Jalen Brown, I mean, he was awful. And Jason Tatum, I can't give him a pass. Combined, they were one for eight in the fourth. The Jays have to close. They're not being clutch at all right now. And that's costing him. Jimmy Butler, best player in the series, and they have the best coach in the series. Supporting cast, I think it kind of broke even in this game. But Jalen Brown's been outplayed by Bam Adebayo in two games so far. And Jason Tatum's been outplayed by Jimmy Butler in two games so far. That's the difference, honestly. If you really want to come down to it, the dudes have been better and the coaching has been better. But at the end, a big play. My man Pat Riley, it's very fitting that it's his team. And it's funny because they lost their playing game against Atlanta because of this. No rebounds, no rings. That rebound that Al Horford conceded to Bam Adebayo at the end was big. It looked like a little bit of a swim, you know, football kind of push move, but no call. And Al wasn't even complaining that much. You got to get physical. You got to box out. You got to put a real body on someone. Just having an arm on them, arm's length apart is not enough. Get your ass down, get your butt into them, and box the fuck out. 
these little things make a difference. And Charles Barkley, I think, said, I don't know if it was Bar- Barkley or someone else, but the Heat got to all the loose balls. They showed all the toughness. They showed that they felt like they were the ones that were uh, down one nothing. The Celtics need to be ashamed of themselves. And again, I do have to put it on the coaching a little bit. This team is not being maximized. That same physicality and grit they had last year with Udoka is gone. Is gone. They have the same talent. If anything, they have more talent. Derek White's been better. I think Tatum's been a little bit better. Malcolm Brogdon's a great player. Jalen Brown is all NBA this year. But they lack that grit and toughness. They lack it. They're, they're getting out-toughed, outworked. And I don't know if that's because of Udoka or Maz- it, it, I think it is. I really do think it is. Missoula is clearly an offense first mind. His favorite words are offensive intentionality. Fuck your offensive intentionality. Where's your grit, brother? You email Udoka. He seemed like not a yes man. I'm not saying Missoula is a yes man, but it doesn't seem like he has the command. Udoka, he was sitting on the Spurs bench for a minute. This dude guarded Kobe. Yeah, he got torched at times, but he guarded Kobe. He has a defense-first lens. And right now, this Celtics team, they don't look like their attention to detail on the defensive end is anywhere near last year. Anywhere near it. Last year, we were talking about, man, look how good this Celtics defense is. This is all-time defense. They're so physical. None of that this year. None of it. They look like a, a team of talent. That's what they look like. A team of talent that's not very organized. On both ends of the floor, they just don't look sharp. They don't look like they can win a championship schematically right now. On either end. And 0-2, I mean, that's what you get. And by the way, last play, I mean, Tatum making three free throws, it kept him in the game. But what a shot by Gabe Vincent. I mean, the guy was, what, one for seven before that? And he hit a step-back mid-range contested shot over Tatum. And he got, he created separation, believe me. But what a shot for Gabe Vincent. And the Celtics lose it. I mean, effort, execution, the stars, no matter, coaching, no matter what angle you want to put, you know, you want to go to, the Celtics weren't good enough and it's not acceptable. And it probably cost them their season tonight. These two games cost them their season. And they have nobody to blame. There's going to be a firing if, if the Celtics lose this series in this fa- fashion, which they will, it seems like right now. Missoula will be gone. Tatum and Brown, though. I'm not saying you got to break them up or anything because it's really not easy to make it this far. But you, if you're them and this is your offense, it's take turns isoing and shit or high pick and roll, you have to create and you have to make big shots. And you have to embrace the mid-range more if you're Tatum. Let's look at the lines tonight. The Heat, this is the sad part. They didn't even shoot that well from the three. Nine for 26, 34.6%. It's not that great. 95% from the foul line, though. 18 for 19. The only person that missed was Max Struess. So big shout-out to Miami for knocking down their free throws. And then from the field, 46%. 42 for 92. They shot 13 more shots Then the Boston Celtics, the Celtics shot five more free throws. So 13 more shots gives you a great chance to win. Let's look at the lines individually. Actually, let's look at some more team stats. Why not? Offensive rebounds, 11 to 6 in favor of Miami. Overall rebounds, 45-35 in favor of Miami. So there you go. Rebounding battle. How about turnovers? 15 for Boston, 20 points off of those turnovers. So against Miami, they're a team that punishes you off your mistakes. You saw that in the bubble three years ago. 15 turnovers, a little too much. The one area you know Boston's going to win, 15 to 4 in fast break points. And again, it felt like Miami was controlling pace um, besides that stretch of the third quarter and the early second quarter. Controlling pace is going to be huge in both series. Denver and my, uh, Boston, they want to play fast. Miami, they want to be a little bit more methodical. Same with uh, the Lakers. So let's look at the lines for the Heat, who played a nine-man rotation. Cody Zeller just out there offering spot minutes for Bam when he's not in at the five. 
and he wasn't great. I mean, he's going to get attacked and pick and roll every time. There was a stretch, though, in the second half where he held his own on two last possessions before he came out, helped create turnovers, so that wasn't bad. He was hedging and recovering on all the screens. Two points and six boards for Zeller, one for three from the field in just 10 minutes of play. Kyle, uh, Kevin Love, 15 minutes, quiet game for him. A donut, 0 for 3 from the field, 5 rebounds, and 2 assists. Kyle Lowry, not his best game, but you know what? He picks games that are less meaningful to play badly, it seems, in these playoffs so far. So expect Lowry to have some big games in Miami. He also had a donut, 17 minutes, 0 for 5, and 0 for 3 from 3. And then Duncan Robinson, 21 minutes. What a game for him. 15 points on 66% shooting and 50 from three. Six of nine from the field, three for six from deep. These actions with Robinson as the screener are very hard to guard. So Duncan Robinson, big time performance for his heat tonight. How about Max Struess? 27 minutes. It wasn't an in-your-face game, but both games in Boston, he's been fantastic. 11 points, 3 for 6 from the field, and 40% from 3, 2 for 5. Huge, huge shots from Max Struess. Double figures yet again. How about Caleb Martin? 25 points. Holy shit. He's active on the glass. Three offensive rebounds, as I said earlier. Plays defense, gets out and runs, takes advantage of your mistakes, knocks down open shots, moves without the ball. I mean, does everything you want. He's having a spectacular playoff run in which it feels like he doesn't play badly at all in any game. 25 points, four boards for the man out of the University of Nevada, Reno. One steal and one block. 11 for 16 from the field and three for seven from deep. That is ridiculous for him. How about Gabe Vincent? 40 minutes. As I said, not the best night, but his plus-minus was the highest of any Heat player. He's really held his own on defense, and it goes to ask the question, do they play better without Hero? It seems like the answer is yes. Their defense is better. The ball goes to Jimmy Moore, and he, no one gets attacked defensively like that. Nine points for Vincent on two-for-eight shooting and one-for-four from three. So he shot 25% from both the field and the three, but he did make four out of four free throws, and he hit such a big shot to seal the deal. And then how about the Stars? Bam Adebayo, he missed a couple of chippies, but I liked how, how aggressive he was. Quick rip-throughs, trying to take the mid-range. He has that shot where he rips through going to his left and shoots that jumper falling away to his left from the middle of the key. A couple of easy misses for Bam, um, but he was making some of the mid-ranges. At least he was shooting it with confidence, which I like. 22 points, 17 rebounds, holy shit, and 9 assists and 1 turnover. So, that's an amazing game for Bam. Definitely outplayed... Jalen Brown, the only thing was his efficiency wasn't great. 7 for 17, but 8 for 8 from the line from your center. And that's to go along with a damn one assist away from a triple-double? Shit. What a game for Bam, and then to me, the player of the game. The man himself. 27 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, 3 steals, and 2 blocks. His defense is also so good. And then he had a charge late that he took on Tatum. I mean... This guy, it's like everything he touches on both ends just turns to gold for Miami. It's insane. He shot 44% from the field, 12 for 25. I'm sorry, 48% from the field, 12 for 25. Only one three-point attempt and only got to the line three times and made all three. So shout out to him. Let's look at the Celtics who shot 47% from the field, just 28.6% from three. They got more three-pointers up there, 10 for 35. They didn't really go in. Expect them to have at least one game in Miami where they go nuclear. They're not going to get swept. They're going to get one of these games, I think. But they're probably getting oust ousted in six or five. They could get swept, though. You never know if they fuck around. 
28.6% from three, 87.5% from the line. They played an eight-man rotation. Let's start with Derek White. Played 23 minutes. I thought he was good. 11 points, four for six from the field, and three for five from three. So 66% from the field, 60 from deep. Again, he was a plus eight, but I don't think he should be guarding Jimmy at all. It feels too easy for Jimmy. The Celtics need to throw some doubles at Jimmy too. By the way, one of my adjustments, the one I forgot at the top of the show was, I said that they, if they want to prevent Jimmy from scoring, double his ass. They didn't do anything. They just let him kind of keep going one-on-one. How about Malcolm Brogdon? 26 minutes played. I thought he was good as well. 13 points, four rebounds, two assists, one steal, two blocks. He was a plus 10, four for nine from the field. He wasn't hitting his three ball though. One for five from deep. Um, I love what Brogdon brings to the table, but again, same with Derek White. They should not let him guard Butler. How about Robert Williams? He was better. He was better. 13 points, but only three rebounds is just not enough. Uh, one steal, two blocks, two turnovers, five for five from the field. I would rather put the Time Lord in the dunker spot if they go zone and not in the high post, even though he was making some nice shots out of it. But just 23 minutes of play for the Time Lord. Um, and they started the Time Lord and Al Horford again. So I said they, were sh- they should go more one big than with two bigs. And their offense doesn't look nearly as good right now. It feels easier to defend, especially when Horford can't make shots. That brings us to Grant Williams, who, man, he was having a good game until he poked that bear. Nine points on four of six shooting and one for two from three. So super efficient. 66% from the field, 50 from three. Really solid. I mean, all the three bench players for Boston made an impact. 33 points between the three of them. So you get 11 points each average out of your bench. Players, that's really good. Al Horford, though, they need much better. Two points on one of five shooting and 0 for three from deep. He was a minus 15, which was tied for the... It wasn't the worst, actually. But he wasn't good. He needs to make shots. He needs to make shots. And defensively, I didn't notice much notice much from him either. And he's been great defensively in these playoffs. How about Marcus Smart? 33 minutes played and not much from him. Seven points, four rebounds, three assists. No steals and no blocks for Smart. Three turnovers. One was crucial where he lost the ball at the end. He was a minus 15 as well. Two for five from the field and one for three from deep. So not the best game for Smat. And then the Jays, starting with Brown. Pathetic performance. 16 points, four rebounds, three assists, two turnovers. Seven for 23 from the field. One for seven from deep. Again, they should put him in that high post. Only two free throw attempts. Just not good enough in any way, shape, or form from Jalen Brown. I'm going to take a look at his shot chart right now. Because I want to see if I notice anything. Pretty diverse. Not that many mid-ranges, though, but pretty diverse. Again, from the three ball, though. Pathetic. Let me see it. He was, what, 0 for 6 from 3 in the first game? 1 for 7 tonight. My goodness. So, so far in the series, Jalen Brown is shooting 2 for 13 from 3. 2 for 13 from 3. This is a guy who in the regular season shot... Shot... Oh, 33.5%. It's not that great, actually. So, he needs to stop shooting so many threes then, I guess. Jesus. At least maybe not the contested ones, but he still makes big ones. That's the thing. Just didn't play well, though, point blank. How about Jason Tatum, who I actually thought played well, but he didn't close. It doesn't matter how well you play if you don't close. 34 points, 13 rebounds, and 8 assists. So, again, really good all-around stat line, but 5 turnovers. That's a third of your team's turnovers, bro. 10 for 20 from the field. Love that. 3 for 10 
from deep. That's too many threes. 11 for 12 from the foul line, but still not good enough in 42 minutes of play. He was outplayed by Jimmy because Jimmy closed and he did it. The Celtics are in trouble. I think their season's over, basically, but they got a couple of games to right the ship. Game three is a must-win for the Celtics, but if the Heat want to finish this, get game three, and it's curtains. They're going to be defeated, but... I don't know if I expect Missoula to make any adjustments. I still don't think they should switch those guys onto Butler. I honestly think at this point, just hard double team him. Make anyone else beat you. And if they beat you, fine. You got to live with it. And if they go zone, you need a guy that can shoot the mid-range in the high post. That's it for me tonight, guys, though. Now to the live subscribers waiting patiently in the chat. Super Chats are turned on if you want to jump a dollar or a dime. Peace. Have a great weekend. We'll be live. Probably, honestly, it's Saturday night tomorrow, so probably not after the Laker game. On Sunday, I'll probably have a live uh, talking about both games. We'll see if I can go live tomorrow. I don't know, though. It's, it's doubtful. And I think the Lakers are going to win, so it's a big opportunity to go live. Fuck. But anyway, peace. Have a great night. Also, I want to say unrelated. Real Madrid got their their cheeks clapped by um, fucking uh, Man City. That was insane. I mean, I always thought, I thought Man City was going to choke because they have such a tendency to choke even in the Guardiola era in the Champions League. But Real Madrid, like, they got waxed. They got outplayed in every facet. Bernardo Silva, Gundogan, and KDB were amazing. Man City is the best team in the world. They've been the best team in the world for a couple years. They have to do this. It's just like Denver, but even more, uh, even bigger than Denver Nuggets. They have to win the Champions League this year. They have to. Inter is not better than them, but in a one-off game, you just never know. They killed them, though. And I want to give a shout-out to Ilkay Gundogan because I remember he tore his ACL in his first year of Man City. And in these last three or four years, or I want to even say five years since the 18-19 title, he's been so massive for Pep. He's been a trusted soldier in that midfield. I wish Chelsea had someone like that. He's just been awesome. But what a win for Man City. Absolutely deserving. They have to win. But anyway, have a great night, guys. Peace.